Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence again this evening. Father, we pray that tonight, your Lord, you'll give us some better understanding of your of the way of doing your words in the ways of your seven spirits. Dear Lord, tonight we're going to talk again about Daniel 9 and um, Daniel 10. But Lord, we're going to do this in the aspect <clears throat> of considering the actions of Daniel and your consideration of him to giving this knowledge. We know from chapter 1 of the book of Daniel that he was very special. Him and his three, three friends were very special. <clears throat> we know that with Daniel, <clears throat> you gave him the, the gift of understanding of your words and so on, and of wondrous things of the wisdom of God, like the other three. But you also gave him the understanding of how to interpret dreams and visions, understand them in the way of the words. And by this, much of your work for these days <clears throat> has been given to us. Nearly all of the end times <clears throat> tie back to these wonderful prophetic words that you've given in visions and dreams and revelations that you've given through Daniel the prophet. Lord, it's a wonderful thing because, <clears throat> excuse me for my voice, it's very hoarse tonight. <clears throat> I'm going to try to drink some water here. In uh, <clears throat> Daniel 1, or Daniel 9, we talk about the vision we talked about yesterday, the vision of the seven, 70 weeks. And it's very interesting. <clears throat> A lot of people think that this was the time of the fast of Daniel, of the 21 days, but it's really Daniel 10. <clears throat> And it is a vision and it's a searching out of Daniel that comes after this. This vision, or actually this prayer of Daniel's, that responded by God, in other words, was responded to by God by sending Gabriel, doesn't give us a fixed time. But it would be believed from what it was done that it was a time of seven days with Gabriel appearing probably on the eighth day. That is an assumption that I am making <clears throat> based upon what he's doing here. He's pleading in mourning to the Lord. And God doesn't change his ways. And in these days, he tells us to plead and fast and mourn for his people. And he tells us to call a sacred assembly, and a sacred assembly is likened to the Feast of Tabernacles or the week of Passover or unleavened bread. It's seven days or actually eight days with the Lord showing up on the eighth day to give the answer. So since Daniel is fasting and praying for the people of Israel and the when the Lord is going to bring salvation to them, when is the people going to hear? When are they going to turn and actually hear the word? He's pleading for the people because he knows these are God's appointed people and he's promised that he will bring out a remnant, that there will be 
the seed of David that comes into the kingdom. And we have the wonderful prophecies of Genesis 49 of Jacob talking about the 12 sons. Talking about all 12 plus the two sons of Joseph. So we know that there is a plan of God for the families, and he, he said that he would raise up a people, and they would come out of his tribes. He promised it to Abraham, he promised it to Isaac, he promised it to Jacob, and so on. So we know that this is true. So the assumption would be that this is a seven-day prayer and fasting time, seeking continuously the Lord. And what he's saying here is, you know, you, you don't get the idea that it's necessarily a fast. It is a time that it's made prayer and supplications with fasting, with sackcloth and ashes. It's a zealous time to get the word. But the Lord tells us in this time not to shed our garment, but to keep our garment on. Because what he wants us to do is to add knowledge to it. He's already given us the words, and what we're asking him to do is cause his words that are in us to be known to us. And then our garment will begin to shine. So he's telling us this. And so my assumption would be that this is like the fast of Joel 2, 12 to 20, except for the, um, the sackcloth and ashes. We're wanting to hear the word at this time. It's urgent to hear the word. He tells us in Joel 2, 12 to 20, that we are to mourn and fast and weep. That's the replacement of the ashes or the weep, our tears. Because our tears are like anointing the feet of those who are lost. And we're crying at the feet of the Lord. For the sake of those that are lost, because we have to be washed by the water of the word to be cleansed and refined at this time. So that is my assumption of what is going on with Daniel 10. And it's very, very much like our requirement of this day. That's in Joel 2, 12 to 20. Read that first, you know, like seven verses of Daniel 9 even through his prayer, all the way up to 24. I mean, when uh, 21 or so, when Gabriel shows up, begin to, or, yeah, through 21, Gabriel, I believe, shows up in 22. So read that and understand that the, the sensitivity of Daniel in that. But doesn't that make sense? You'd understand that what we're looking for is a regeneration According to the plan of God, which is a regenerated plan, that he's going to give us life for those who will turn and come out because we're being judged by his words at this day. And all these things are done in the way of the seven. We have to complete the works of the seven spirits. We have to complete the six works. And on the seventh day, we're pleading for strength and refreshing and knowledge of the works that he's done. Seven churches, seven called out assemblies. Seven candlesticks, seven stars. He's talking about this. And so we understand that this is why he's pleading, because he's wanting to know the time of the judgment. He's wanting to know the time of the judgment. And he's wanting to know the time, not just of the judgment, because the judgment is when we are set apart by his word. It's called the separation judgment. 
That's why he's praying for the judgment. I'm not saying he's praying to be judged. He's praying that the people, when will they recognize the fact of the judgment? And the Lord shows up on the eighth day, for we wait on him. And he shows up. So he sent his messenger, Gabriel. And I would believe that Gabriel arrived on the eighth day. It's just like the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's very much like this day because after we've completed the sacred assembly, the Father shows up. If we do what we're supposed to do in Joel 2, 12 to 20, he shows up at verse 20 and intervenes for us and drives the northern armies far away from us. See, it's the word of God that drives the armies far away from us. He's going to come and give us authority of the word, but his word is going to go before us and they're going to be thundered and afraid. We will not be destroying these people. Our job is to harvest. The main job of this time is to harvest. The whole purpose of the bold judgments, the, the trumpet judgments, the sealed judgments, all of that, the sealed trumpet and bold judgments, God is trying to separate his people out. He's trying to call them out. It's a harvest. Book of Revelation is a harvest, and those who will be harvested, those who desire the kingdom of God, will come out. Those who desire to have the Lord as king and not man as king, who desire not to have a constitution, but to have the word of God written in their hearts so they know what is good and evil, and they turn from evil and have no desire for the darkness. That's the constitution of God. That's the one you want. That's the one that you know. There's no, there's no deception out there. The Lord makes his word known to you in your heart. You know what's right or wrong. And you do what is right. Or fast is the expedient judgment in these days of the Lord. For in his kingdom, it's immediate. It's quick. Adam and Eve did their thing on the same day. They were judged. Same with us at this time. It's not going to take no time. When the Lord brings his kingdom and we turn and go into it. Right now, we're not in it. We have no, people are not seeking for his kingdom to come and are not seeking to anoint the Lord as king. They're not doing that. They talk nice things. They prophesy. I know many people that wave their hands in the aisles and these, these song fests that we have at churches and stuff, and they feel so good and so filled with the Spirit, and they leave the place totally lacking knowledge of truth. Because the words of God were not taught to them. They have no understanding how God's works are done or the ways of the spirits. Sing about it. They love it. Feel good about it. Even when the move is spirited on them. And even in the words of their songs, the Lord is calling them to come to the knowledge of truth. But they will not receive it. That's sad at this time. Now let's go to Daniel 10 and look at the different one. This is the famous one. This is the three-week fast. Why three weeks? Three is the way of the spirit of understanding. But seven is the fullness of time, the fullness of the plan of God. So he's going to fast for 21 days. In the first week, he's fasting with the thoughts in his mind that this is the week to separate and when he's offering prayers and so forth, he's because he knows he's going to do 21, he set his face because it tells you in the beginning of this, let me read it here, it says, in the third year. The first one in Daniel 9 was in the first year. It says, 
The third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar, protector of the king. The message was true. What does true mean? True means it is a word of God in the way of his words. In other words, it's not just a prophecy in the way that we would translate it, but it's a prophecy known by those who have understanding of the pure language of God that are his words of wisdom that make known greater truths. So he had a vision, a message from God that was very detailed. But the appointed time was long, he said. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Consider a second. Go to Daniel 10 and read it in the way of the Hebrew Bible. It says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, which means protector of the king, the highest god protected by the highest God because of his understanding of the God. And the God wants to protect his people. And the world and the word was true, meaning it was true, meaning it's of truth, of the way of the kingdom of God. It's of the judgment. It is of the judgment. It's appointed time of the judgment. And he's telling you that the judgment is a long time off. See, the truth, we're going to be judged by his words, which are truth. John 17, 17, John 5, 24. Hosea 6, 5. Psalms 119, 130. Tie together, same meaning. He says, and for a long time, in other words, and for a long time, it was true, and it was a long time. In other words, he was seeing all the kingdoms that are going to be until that time. And he understood the word. He understood what it was. And then, in its meaning, he he like he understands the meaning. In other words, what it's going to be. But he needs clarity. And he says, in those days, I Daniel have been mourning for three weeks of days. I ate no white bread. Neither did meat. In other words, he ate barley, humble humbleness. He didn't eat meat nor wine. Entered my mouth. And I did not anoint myself until the completion of three weeks of old. He's talking about the white bread. I'm, I'm probably what he's talking about. He ate unleavened at that time because he's owning instruction. I did not anoint myself until the completion of those three weeks, until the completion of three weeks of days. He anointed himself at the end of the 21 days. So on the 22nd day, 22 is the number of the, of the key to the kingdom. And he anointed himself on that day. And on the 24th day, the Lord arrives. And he was by the great river, the Tigris. This is really in, intriguing. He knew to be there. 
Maybe he's led in the spirit, but he did it by wisdom and understanding, I believe. I've explained that Tigris, the meaning of the Tigris, is very interesting because it is the same, in according to history, it's the same river that they talk about. It's the third of the four rivers of Eden. It's called Heidekel. It's in Genesis 2.14, I believe. Yes. And it, this river, most translations um, pronounce it by the name Tigris, but it's Hadakel, which means rapid or sharp rapids. It's very interesting that he's doing it this way. Now, let me give you the, this, the understanding I would have for this. Why is he doing this? First, it's saying in the Hebrew, it's telling you it's not pleasant food. In other words, he ate barley bread and likely water for that time, maybe broth, but he had no meat come into his mouth. And what he was looking for was a humbleness because the Lord says that in um, Micah 6, 8, that we are to walk humbly before him and do good. He was seeking understanding for good to help us. He's doing this because he's telling us that this judgment is a long time off and it's for our people, all the people, to know what was going to happen in that time. And that time is related to what he heard in Daniel 9. Because in Daniel 9, it's about this time right now. That it's specifically about the flood that is right now. He's going to bring an end to this flood. The flood of the words of the dragon's mouth cannot touch those who are of his words. Revelation 12, 16. It will go after those who have the Ten Commandments and understand the, the, the you know, the have, have the understanding of the Messiah or of, that Jesus gave his blood for them. But they don't know what the blood was for and they don't know the words of God that Jesus came into the world to bear witness to, which is why he paid the price of the blood. The blood washes us clean, he says. But how? If you read John 15, 3 and finish that, it's the words that he came into the world to bear witness to us that washes us clean, as he says in Ephesians 5, 25, 27 through Paul. Three weeks of seven days is 21 days. The reason he's doing that is, again, the fullness of the time. He had a vision that's involving time. So he wanted to know all the time that's coming. In the first one, he knew that the 70 weeks was up, and he was praying in Daniel 9 for the salvation of his people, which is for them to receive the fullness of the seven spirits. So he fasted the, the, the sacred assembly fast, which I believe was seven days. And he would fast on the eighth day because in Joel 2, 12 to 20, we see that that is what's required of us at this time. Fasting and mourning, seven days. Because he wants this, he's concerned about the people coming to knowledge of truth. That's why the sacred assembly is so good. He's calling the people out. When we're wanting to know the history, the key to the plan of God over the time of exact things that we're going to see over time, that's this fast of Daniel 10. Because you're wanting 
One, the first week is the Spirit of the Lord. To be set apart from the world, you want to set yourself apart from the world. You've got a vision for God. You want to set yourself apart from the world to understand it. The second week is for the words of wisdom. And the third week is for what? Understanding. And then comes the 22nd day, which is what is not given here. On the 22nd day, he anoints himself. He anoints himself because now what he's waiting for, he's done his work. Now what he's waiting for is the answer from the Lord. And the Lord shows up on the third day, the 24th day. The third day is understanding. But see, that 22nd day starts the fourth week which is the week of the council of the Lord. And he anoints himself at the 22nd day, probably in the evening time, because at that time he's looking for an answer from the Lord. And now he's ready. He's prepared himself. He knows the Lord is going to answer him. I don't know if you know the story about memory, but they say, scientists have shown that if you repeat something for 21 days, it'll be fixed into you. Well, the reason you do that in the way of the words is because on the 22nd day, you've entered the, the seven days of the Spirit of the Lord that gives counsel. Which means if it is of God and you desire to really understand it, on the 22nd day, you can understand, anoint yourself. He's going to cause that to be locked into you. You can learn much by that. On the 24th day, he shows up. And why? If you go to the book of Revelation 4 and so on, you'll see 24 elders. Because it means more than anything. There's a lot more knowledge to the number 24. And I'll go over that another night. But I just explained to you the key key understanding to it why the 24 but he fasted mourned and so forth for the 21st and then he anointed himself on the 22nd because he knew the lord was going to come he didn't continue his fast because now he's waiting on the answer because he knows in god's will he was doing the will of god and god had given him the vision so now he's owed an answer and if it's of god's will he will bring it if it's not he won't but you've done your part. And what he wants to teach you, he will cause you to know. Because he said, if we will turn to him, he'll pour out a spirit upon us and cause us to know his words. Proverbs 1.23. And if it's of God, you're going to get an answer. He's going to cause you to know. If you have a heart for his kingdom and you're walking humbly before him. You see what he was doing here? It looks like broth and bread and water. Okay, I also wanted to tell you about the, you know, the, the fact that he went to the Tigris River on that 24th day. It's very interesting that the Lord would show up then. And when, it, when he go by that river, this is the river that flowed. The third river flew, flowed out of the garden towards the east. It's a river that flows rapidly eastward. Do you understand what that means? It's like it's flowing eastward. In other words, God is coming from the way of the east. 
Ezekiel 43 tells us that when he comes. He's coming from the way of the east. East is another name for the throne of God. So he's coming from the way of the east. His wind comes from the way of the east. The river's flowing through that. So he's walking by it knowing that he's expecting an answer from the Spirit of the Lord. And mind you, the garden. Because all the works of God were known to the Lord back then. He blessed us for all the times that are going to come forward. Now, when the Lord shows up in verse 5 in Daniel 10, it says, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Ophaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sounds of his words like the voice of a multitude. This is the Lord. This is the Lord. Now, let me tell you why. When you look at this, I'll read it again from a different scripture. It says, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man clad in linen, and his loins were girded with a girdle of gold studded with jewels, clad in linen, a linen garment. With a girdle of gold stuffed with, studded with jewels, the Hebrew meaning for that is with a girdle of cluster of pearls. A cluster of pearls. Some people think that's an expression of gold and precious stones. But who is the one who is the bringer of the belt of truth? See, the words of God, he's telling us when he comes with a belt, of gold studded with pearls he's telling you all the way to the completion of the little book in revelation 10 of the words of god he's going to complete that as it's shown that you know when these things are done the, the word of god is complete and the words are symbolic of a pearl it's at the pearl of great price you know the words themselves you could say are the word of god but there's, I've explained to you, the Bible reveals and indicates there's 153 words of God. It's what the great fish were in John 21, symbolic of the words of God. And he tells us that a merchant of goodly pearls, he's not selling these pearls. He's wearing them to make known the word. A person who has the words of God does not sell the word. They make known the word. The Lord said, buy the gold refined in fire at this time, refined by the word. Do you see what the belt is here? This, the pearl, symbolic of the word of God, each one of them. So he said it's studded with pearls, studded with pearls. It's marvelous to our eyes. Understand, this is the Lord, and that belt, when you put the belt around you, that is what you desire to eat. So he's coming with the food of the kingdom of heaven, and he feeds and makes known this. And then he tells us, and the reason why you, you can know that it's the Lord, because he's the only one, and remember that he's coming in the fourth week, which is the council of the Lord, and he came when the prince 
Michael showed up. Michael was able to come and relieve the Lord to come because he had to fight against the, the, the demon and tell them. Remember, the, the devil could tempt Jesus three times, but he couldn't stay with him on the fourth one. The Lord showed up on the third day of the fourth week, which is the fourth week is the way of counsel. The third day is understanding of counsel. Understanding is the third day in the fourth week of counsel. Isn't that marvelous? God is so marvelous. And you know the week of unleavened bread is a marvelous time that's coming up. Because in that week, it's much like Daniel here. It's a week, it's the third week of the month when God gives understanding. He appeared to the disciples and began to open them understanding on the first day of the third week of the month. Right after the resurrection. First day is he separates them from the world. See, they didn't have the words yet. He had to give them the spirit. And then over the next weeks, he caused them to know his words. As we've talked about before. Now let's take a look at this name, Daniel. I want to go back and point out something. I wrote a book, a writing, that's called... Uh, Abigail, a woman with good understanding. And I highlighted, it's available on the website for free, of course. And it's, it's a marvelous book. But it has something very interesting relating to Daniel. The name Daniel, according to Abram Publishings, when you break down each part of the name, the first part, Den, means to judge. The second part is El. It's an abbreviated form of Lohim, the, the genus of God. In other words, the fullness of, the, of God. And what it means is God is my judge. God rules me. What it, what it means by that is we are to go forth like a humble person speaking the words of God. There's an interesting relationship to this that's kind of intriguing to me. You know, Daniel... Um, It was a, of the tribe of Judah. We know that one because Judah is going to be the first tribe to receive the words at this time. And Judah means let him be praised. Let God be praised. And that's what Daniel was doing. He was getting and bringing forth the knowledge to praise the Lord. And now Daniel 10 and Daniel 11, chapter Daniel 10 and Daniel 11, are it's a continuous story. It comes through the ending of Daniel 11 with the destruction of Rothschild and of the because he's the it says the person that rules and controls all the treasuries of all the nations of gold and silver, and that's what he does. The Rothschilds control the world currency. They work with the Queen of England and they control the world currency. If anybody goes back to you know the 1800s, you can see that. All right, even back in the 1500s, they, they took away this thing about the Pope uh, being the supremacy over top of the king. That's no longer true. And the Holy Roman Empress is therefore higher than the Pope. And it's actually true. The Rothschilds are the treasure of the uh, Vatican Treasury. And they utilize and they use and hide themselves through the Vatican 
But they are in charge of the Vatican and they appoint the popes. I know this from working inside with these people. And, you know, the great shame, by the way, of the Vatican is the thousands of trillions of dollars that they're sitting on. More than a thousand trillion. I understand it's staggering amounts. Because I know for a fact, because I, I had experience with it, that they have got, I mean, they, they have these storage container loads, you know, just so many of them. It's staggering to the mind of how many they have of rubies and and currencies of every nation and so forth, and they're doing nothing. And they have art stashed away all over the place in different cities and beyond all the stuff that they have. But the, the gold, silver, emeralds, diamonds, and stuff that they've gathered over the years, they still have, and they're doing nothing to help the poor of the world. Nothing. They put it out there, and they give a little bit of funds, and they're really raising nothing but issuing new currencies usually American dollars that they shouldn't even be allowed to have. But they're issuing this through platforms that they are helping to solicit and launder money. It's famous of the Vatican laundering drug monies and so forth. They even have done it. There's many histories of knowledge of this being done even in San Antonio, Texas. The Vatican people there are doing this. So it's all over the world, and they have thousands trillions of dollars, and they're not doing anything to help the poor worldwide. They could solve the poor of the world themselves. And the Pope is not even talking about it, and he goes out and pleads to the people, anoints a few people, but yet he's helping the global genocide program. Now he's bringing the immigrants in to cause the wars and the rest of it. They're deceit. I held in my hands financial paperwork from the Pope to the lady in charge of the global genocide program. She's bringing on, she's allowed to create wars. She reports to the Rothschilds. She's allowed to create wars. She's allowed to make these vaccinations, destroy the food. She works with the FDA's doing all that. She's in charge of microbiology. She's in charge of so many things. This is the way we're going right now. We don't realize this is happening and we're allowing it to happen. And God has taken their right of authority away from them at this time. So, they're not praising the Lord. And some of these people claim to be Jewish. <laughs> they're not Jewish. Not when they're working with this. This is evil. Bringing forth a genocide program. Profiling everybody on the world. It's, it's an audit system that God does not approve. For them to profile people. Because when they profile the people. They're profiling for putting them on the hit list. And death lists. The person in charge of that. It, it considers himself Jewish. He's the, like in Revelations. He says. They're Jew, they're Jews. They say they're Jews and they are not. If they were, they would set themselves apart from the world. But they will not. They're instead working with the world to bring apart all this evil and all this global genocide and so on. It goes everywhere. Churches are working with the Vatican and so forth, bringing about this one world order. Church leaders, chef, chef, pastors are all signed up on this saying they think there's something important to help with this female emergency management team that God says don't have any part with these people at this time. They don't even have authority to rule, and yet these people are signed on with them. And if they put that blue jacket on and go to there, they've sealed their judgment by doing that at this time because they're supposed to know the times. He's angry with them for not knowing the times and not hearing his word. Now, I've explained to you what the meaning of Daniel means. Now, let me go back to something interesting. Uh, to me, it's always intriguing. And you go back to 
um, Abigail, David's basically should have been his second wife, but he, he had taken another wife. He had Micah. David took a lot of wives. He took, you know, I think they list eight, uh, but there's probably a lot more of those, plus there's the concubines and so forth. So we know that David took a lot of wives. And it was like it was a lesson that God told to Solomon, do not take a lot of wives. Instead, he multiplied David's blunder by a hundredfold. At least he took a thousand, 300 wives and 700 concubines. And then he took all the horses. Just He did everything wrong. When David was doing this. It's it's just wrong that he did it. But you know the story of Abigail, a wonderful story. You can read it in the, the book, Abigail, the Woman of Good Understanding. When she um, is asked to come, you know, her husband Nabal was a fool. He was angry, vicious, selfish man. And God punished him. He killed them. And Abigail will then, and Abigail had fought and interceded. With, with the, by the way of the Lord, she you know they were Jewish, and by the way of the Lord, she interceded for her husband. She was a good woman with good understanding. And when David men came to ask her if she would come and be his wife after her husband had died and so forth, the morning was over. She said that she would, and that she would come and wash the feet of the servants. Of the king's house. The servants. She's going to wash the feet of the servants. And all those of his house. That is a wife of good understanding. That is a woman who's walking in the way. Of the spirit of God. And whether she was the second. Why a woman that David called her the third. It, it shows. Um, some of I believe it was, she was the second. But he took another. But whether she was a second or third, she was doing it in a way of wisdom. But doing it and washing the feet of the people enables them to come to the words. And that they would learn the way of the words in the household. She had David's second son. They called him Kiliab or Chiliab. And it's interesting. That's in 2 Samuel 3.3. 3. But in second, or I think it's Second Chronicles or First Chronicles, um, it tells you that he. Let me see if I can find that scripture. I can't remember. It's the second. Oh, First Chronicles three one. In there they list his name as Daniel. See, I believe that this man. Would have been the if she, if he had not taken many wives, this would have been the son that would have been raised up to be the king. But I think God took him when David, at some point, we don't know how long he lived. We don't know that. We just know that he was born, he was born of them, and he was given two names. One is Chiliab, Chiliab, and the second one is Daniel. He's called that, and then nobody knows why. But it's very obvious is why. His mother is the one who washed the feet of David's people. And the, Dan, the book of Daniel shows us that the right attitude for a Daniel is one who sets apart 
the people from the world. He was given the name, and it shows that in, in uh, Daniel chapter 10. Instead of saying just his name in chapter 10, what's he do? He, he says there, Belshazzar, protector of the king. Daniel should be, God is, you know, he's, God is his judge. He's protector of the king. He's doing the way of the words for the glory of the Lord, walking humbly before him. I believe that is what God gave him this child for. But David may have taken too many lives. We don't know. Too many wives. It sure seems that way because it's warning from the Lord to Solomon is don't take so many wives. Do not take many wives. But he did exactly that. And on the third time they got, that the Lord visited him, he took away the right to the kingdom from his son. He split it. He split the kingdom. So we see that in this. And I just want to point that out. It's very interesting because it's telling us the attitude that God wants us to have. And the attitude of Daniel in chapters 9 and 10, 11, 12, marvelous. He's pleading for the way of the words for the people. He's pleading for them to know. And he did it with great understanding. He was a doer of the words. God lifted him up in that kingdom. And he was a servant that glorified God in the kingdom. Remember the famous hanging gardens? It would seem to me that if that was so plentiful and beautiful as it was, and the reason they were hanging, I would not be surprised if that dirt didn't come from the land of Israel. Because it's the way of the garden. And in the, in the garden eastward, the way where Daniel was in, in charge of the city, the building of it and so forth. And they had these wonderful hanging gardens at that time. And it would have been hanging for the purpose of the earth. And this is my speculation of why it did it and why they were so spectacular. Because this same thing, Daniel walking by the Tigris River, understanding, this man had understanding the wisdom and the way of the words of God, and he built the city for the king. And then the king thought he was the great one. And God punished him for seven years because he was the one that was giving the wisdom to glorify him. And after that seven years, he praised Daniel. Not Daniel, Daniel. I mean, he's praising the Lord and recognizing that Daniel's God is the God. It's a marvelous thing. Anyway, these are some thoughts I had on this, and I pray that this is useful to understand the way of fasting that Daniel did and what we might do in this time. You can think upon it and let the Lord and the Spirit guide you what to do at this time for the kingdom because we are in the time when the harvest must come now. It's time for the harvest. We are in great trouble. Let me give you one last thing. Probably make a lot of people mad. But, you know, it's, it's worth considering. Because I think it's really sad what's about to happen. I got in trouble over this verse. I told people about this verse and they got mad at me. Women today don't want to hear this verse. It's Isaiah 4.1. It's talking about this time it's coming. And I'm giving you this today because it's a terrible thing that's coming. And people do not want to hear it. Women do not want to hear this message. Men do 
not want to hear this message, actually. Some might, but it's wrong the way they're thinking about it. There's a purpose in this message. Let me read it to you. It says in Isaiah 4, 1, first verse in Isaiah 4, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. There's been a lot of speculation on what that verse meant. I've thought about it many times. I'm not looking for seven wives. Nothing like that. But I'm telling you what it means, and it's tragic. Women are going to do this. They're going to do it for a whole different meaning than the people are. They're going to do it because there's a war coming. And what the governments are doing is they're sending their soldiers all over the world. See, the plan of the one world order is to just destroy many. But God gave us a law not to kill each other. God gave us a law that we are not to follow these people. We're not to follow these that are walking in fornication with the harlot, with the leaders of the harlot. When soldiers go because they feel they have to for the job or whatever, they need to be in prayer and asking God for mercy, much like that that king, that leader of the army of Assyria asked Elisha to be able to pray and let them go into the gods of the other ones because they had to for their job. The soldiers must do this at this time because I'm telling you, when they're over there doing this killing for the sake of America, which is a false system, it's, it's the army of the Crown Trust. Just like Russia and Chinese army and Israel's army and Saudi Arabia's army, all of them are all of that. And any soldier that's likened to that doesn't have the protection of God unless they are praying diligently for his protection and to pull them out of the military and let them go on their own. They must do this at this time. It's not something people want to hear, but I'm telling you, thou shall not kill. Planned Parenthood and all those people with the vaccines and all those, the merchants of the grocery stores feeding toxic food to the people that's destroying their nutritional value, the doctors using the, the medicines that are killing these people, the cosmetic dealers and soap makers and you know, the aspirin makers, the vitamin makers, because these vitamins are not real vitamins. They're fake, most of them. You can get good ones if you search it out, but they're expensive. But they're real. And they've made these other ones so cheap that everybody buys them, but they're killing them. They don't see it. They put glycerin in the toothpaste, I understand. The water's filled with all kinds of terrible things they drank in these water drinks and soft drinks and the soft drinks and now a lot of them are having fetus cells in it. They're killing us by this stuff and the people that are doing this are going to be punished. And a lot of these are men. And there's going to be a great destruction of men. And after World War II in Germany there was a huge deficit of men. You can go back in history and look at what happened. That's a problem. But there's another problem. I'm just telling you that the war is going to create a massive lack of people, especially men, because they went to war, followed leaders when he told them in 18, Revelation 18, 1-4 not to do it. And they didn't intercede with God to cover their, their movement. They need to do that. Mothers and fathers must do this for their children. They're stuck in the military. Get them out as soon as the Lord can release them. Get them out. And ask for him to deliver them safely through this. 
and not to be taken by these enemies. Because the Lord is going to allow the destruction. We brought it on ourselves because we followed these leaders and didn't seek the knowledge truth. Didn't even seek to understand why God was saying he's so angry at this world leadership at this point. And the leaders, and he's telling you to come out from following all the leaders and preachers are following the leaders themselves. So how can the people know better? So I pity the preachers at this time. So when he's saying this, that's one thing, the lack of men. The next thing is the right interpretation of this is why are they doing it? It says, if let's go to the Hebrew Bible and understand this. Now seven women shall take hold of one man on that day saying, our bread we will eat. And our clothing we will wear. Only let our let your name be called on us. Take away our reproach. Now please remember that all of us understand the women. Just like Daniel's pleading for the people this time. The women should plead for the right of the, I mean the return of the great work that was given to Eve when she came out. Her desire was to be towards her husband. And the pace for the purpose was to bring forth the, the word. Women are independent these days. They don't want to be in the marriage, but the men aren't deserving of the marriage. We aren't. And we're filled with lust and so forth. This has nothing to do with lust. This is a work where they're saying, let me be called by your name, which is the work of the kingdom of God that the person is given to do. So they're saying it's it's not a it's a marriage, but it's not for the Lust part. This is for the work of the kingdom of God. And, you know, if, if God desires the children of this thing or the way of that, then that's that's of God as well. But that is not what the work is right now. The work is the harvest. And so what they're saying is they're coming, each one. That's why they gathered as seven. Because they're coming and each one is going to eat the bread of instruction with that spirit that they're representing. And they are coming in that order. And what they're doing is the bread that they're going to get instruction for is the way for the house to be uh, done in the way of that spirit. To make sure that the first spirit, to make sure that the, that all those in the house are separated from the world. By doing all they can to make sure the words on the doorposts and the teaching of the word is done every evening time. And the food is perfect for the people. The second one is the words of wisdom. They want to make sure that the teaching is done and, and that they understand the, the, the thing. It's like uh, Bathsheba bringing Solomon on her knee to David to hear the word every evening. And this is the way the whole household should be kept, the way of the words of wisdom, to make them known, to search it out, to enable. It's like, like Rebecca did this wonderful job for Jacob to help him. He became a man of tents. Why? It's because he's wanting to learn the way of the words of the kingdom of God, learn about the kingdom, which is under the firmament of the heavens and the words and so forth. And that was feeding that. And then the other one is understanding, which is the fruit and food and so forth. Fourth one is the spirit of counsel, seeking the way of the spirit of counsel, making these things known. And their clothing is like this. There's a work to the clothing, a way to the clothing, the different colors of the clothing. It's the way of the spirit of God. They should understand that spirit in that way. That's what this is talking about. But isn't it terrible that it comes down to this? It comes down to this because of the war that's about to come, because no one's wise enough to understand. Yes, Ten Commandments are still in effect. And that God is coming to confirm the new covenant. Those who are doing the way of the words. Those who are walking in the way of righteousness to bring forth the harvest. He's not going to confirm it 
to the others. You're going to be set apart. So please humble yourself before the Lord. Don't don't be uh, you know don't be arrogant to the Lord and don't walk like your way or no way. Don't think you're like Korah. You know, Korah and all those people, the 250, they were teachers. And yet God destroyed them all because they were arrogant to the will of God for the time they didn't want to follow Moses as he was telling them to do. Lord, we pray and let the people understand, Lord, one of the faults of the people of Israel at the time of the coming out of Egypt was they failed to see that you are king and we're to anoint you as king. We are just servants. You used Moses for a purpose, but you were trying to use all those people, but they wouldn't accept their role. Instead, they wanted to make their own role like the people at the Tower of Babel, and you destroyed them all. Lord, don't let the people do that at this time. Let them humble themselves. Let them come before you and be happy with the work you've given them to do. Lord, we pray that they will understand that. Moses tried to warn Korah and that whole group of that, but they wouldn't listen. Lord, I pray that we will not see that in these days. Lord, I pray your hand be upon us for good, not evil. Lord, help us to be humble before you and walk rightly, seeking to follow you and seeking to abide in your words and seeking, dear Lord, that you will confirm your covenant to us instead of have to make it known to us. Lord, in other words, Father, we know your covenant. We need to walk in it so you can confirm the way and give us the guidance and the fullness of the Spirit. And if we don't show you that we hear you and believe on you, because you said, Lord, those who hear your voice and believe in the promises of fathers will receive eternal life and will pass through these judgments. But, Lord, we must show you that. We praise you, Lord, and ask you for forgiveness. We ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.